Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, hey. We're back. We're black. We're super black today. That means we have a guest. We're brown. Ambition. 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 Hey, Mandra. How are you today, lovely? Hello, gorgeous. <laughs> I'm doing well. You know I love a shoulder. You're giving us this pink, fluffy shoulder today. Oh, thank you. I finally <laughs> unpacked my suitcase from my vacation last month. No. I'm so glad we have a psychologist here. She can talk about my anxiety and how it stops me from unpacking. And this was in there, and I was like, I did get this from Target. Ooh. Exciting. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, okay. though. How you doing? I feel good. You know, my skin is glowing. I just came back from um, Sephora, so I was like, I want a tinted moisturizer. And mm. so we'll see. Because, you know, What did you get? What brand? Thing. NARS. I like NARS. Mm-hmm. Actually, I have Target. Let me see. I got... um. And I tried that lip. Remember that Fendi lip? You were like, girl, it was... Yes. Mm-mm. Uncensored? It was not it? Or no, what did girl. you try? You tried the Rihanna Super Bowl lip. Yes. You got to find your own shade, Tiff. I did. And I tried on a bunch of hers, and like the reds, and it wasn't really, you know, doing it. But for me, NARS, okay. like, what is this color? Grenada. I was like, okay. It actually is really cute. It's like deep number two. And then I heard um, Patrick Starr. He's like, you know, a famous, like, beauty YouTuber. Yeah. He's got like this like setting spray that's called that's called On Till Dawn. So I'm like, because I'm always like a greasy hot mess like an hour after like putting on a little light beat. So I said, mm. we fin to see because I saw one of my favorite Killer Walker. Um, she's like beautiful, beautiful black girl influencer. And, you know, she always looks amazing. And so she swears by it. You know, I'm trying to get my feminine on. You already know, girl. Mm-hmm. It's been a, Baby it's been a journey. Get yes, the brows baby. done. <laughs> you know, you see, I abandoned the lashes. I was like, girl, no one has time for lashes every day. Look, for you fashion girlies, how do you live this life? I like to buy them. I'm aspirational with the lashes. Okay. They never actually make their way to my face. So I just it's, have it's a, a It's a lot for. of work. I said, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm just going to find a really good mascara because I don't know how the girlies do it every day. I said, how do you leave the house without like three hours worth of prep? I just... I'm not built for it. So this oh, is this hell is, to the no. This is as good as it gets right here. You look so stunning. anyway, you know, before we get too far into our chat, we Oops. have an amazing <laughs> guest today, which I'm so excited about. Um another podcast pioneer. Yes. She's awesome. If you've yes. heard of Therapy for Black Girls, which you know you have. Duh. Um, then you should know Dr. Joy. She is amazing. So Dr. Joy Harden. Bradford is a licensed psychologist, speaker, and the host of the wildly popular mental health podcast, Therapy for Black Girls. I've been on. She was awesome. Her work focuses on making mental health topics more relevant and accessible for Black women, and she delights in using pop culture to illustrate psychological concepts. She's been featured in The O and Oprah Magazine, Forbes, Bustle, MTV, Huffington Post, Black Enterprise, Refine News 29, Teen Vogue, and Essence, and I'm sure more and more and more and more, and she got a book coming out. You know, yes, she does. Sisterhood yes. heals. Yes. And so we're so happy to have her in the stew today. Hey, Dr. Joy. Hey, y'all. So excited to be here with you. Uh, one of the best voice in podcasting. <laughs> you must hear that all the time. You know, it's so funny because when I run into people in real life, they're like, oh, my gosh, you sound just like the podcast. So I don't know if they thought it was like just a podcast voice. but <laughs> And you're from Georgia, right? You've, you're in Atlanta? I'm in Atlanta, but I'm originally from Louisiana. 
I think oh. that's why I love it. It reminds me of home. I'm a Southern girl. I'm from Georgia originally. Um, yes. But anyway, you just sound so comforting. Yeah, you like, sound I would comforting. sit on your couch and pour my soul out. Oh, for sure. thank like, you. And then, and, and, then. then <laughs> and Tiffany never checks her email, Dr. Joy, but <laughs> uh-oh. Maybe like, <laughs> do be checking her email. I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> you when got people we, for that, I'm sure. Uh-huh. No, but when we first started... <laughs> Mandy knew who she linked up with. She knew it was a hot man. She knew. <laughs> she knew what it was. She, she knew what it was. We should get into that, Doctor Joy. Why is a control freak always Ooh. attracted to the wild and free? A project? A slacker? No, not a yeah. slacker. It's because I knew she wouldn't bother me. I could just do whatever I wanted. Yes. We are, mm-hmm. we're a great team. We are. I really think so. Because I'm yeah. more. Because you're not Tiffany. You get in the weeds when, when it you know when it you matters. Know, when it, when to you. you really need, yeah. But like honestly, I'm like Mitty. Whatever you want, just do it. That's fine with me. She's like, so I know she's not going to teach chooses. herself how to podcast, like Girl, tech no. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I just you know, I did. It's I enough for me to turn part. on my camera, like and on. <laughs> <laughs> but we have had an eight year long, or I guess nine, because I knew you before, like almost mm-hmm. a decade long professional yeah. sliding into personal relationship over yeah. the years, and I just think that even you know. As I was, I'm so excited for Dr. Joy's book. Again, the title, what's the full government name? Sisterhood Heals. I never <laughs> the know transform- the other half of it. <laughs> the transformative power of healing in community. Yeah. So, um, and I actually learned about the book from your podcast, Dr. Joy, because I was scrolling through to like find an episode to listen to on the road. And immediately I was drawn to a one about female friendships mm. um, and the evolution of them, because like at this point in my life, and I know Tiffany too, we've, we've, we always kind of share about our journeys and stuff, but right now I'm on my, I'm having my second child in a month or so. I don't know if he'll be here by the time this podcast airs. And I've moved to the suburbs, away from the city, away from my, you know, city friends. Plus the pandemic, mm-hmm. I feel like has done a number on not just on, on everyone's relationships. And I just felt like it was the show I needed to hear. And then when I knew there was a book, you know, um, I would love to start with the the book itself and why of all the things you could have written about in the mental health space, why sisterhood and friendship was so important for you to cover. Hmm. So I feel like I always knew I was going to write a book. I just had never really settled on what the book would be about. Mm-hmm. And then I had a conversation with my agent and she said, there may be many books that you write, but if you had to plant your flag in the ground for this first one, what would it be? What do you want the world to know about you and Therapy for Black Girls? And it immediately came to me that it has to be sisterhood. Um, and mm-hmm. I feel like sisterhood is really at the foundation of so much of the work of Therapy for Black Girls. Sisterhood has been personally meaningful to me and I really feel like it is what has led the business and the podcast and the directory and all of these things to be successful because there is a way that black women move with one another that is just deeply based in sisterhood Um, and so the book is really a celebration of who we are to one another and a guide to how we can strengthen our relationship so that we can be more of that for each other. Do you think like, cause I, I, um, me and Mandy, remember Mandy, we had that, that episode about the bully friend. Yeah. So I called like, so I used to be quite the pushover. Um, and so I had a series of friendships of like really close friendships where they were my friend, but they also used to like low key, high key bully me. Hmm. Um, and I allowed it and maybe it didn't start off that way, but something, some dynamic shifted and. You know, it just, I found myself like, wait, I don't like that treatment. Why does she talk to me that way? And I'm like, they don't talk to other people that way. What's going on here? Um, and so I've since, you know, rid myself of every bully friend. Um, and I'm more mindful of like who I attract, but not just that, but how, um, when things come up to say things about, you know, like what's happening. Like, is that something you cover in the book about how maybe breaking up with friends, friends look or like what healthy friendships should look like? Mm-hmm. So there's a whole chapter, Tiffany, about these difficult conversations that I think we often don't have in friendship. And a lot of times we don't want to have the conversation because we are afraid that it means that this will end the friendship. But truthfully, sometimes those difficult, awkward conversations can actually bring the friendship closer. So these ideas of jealousy in friendship or if I feel like you are bullying me, like, can I say that to you? Um, so there's a whole chapter there. Um, but there's also lots of information information about when a friendship needs to end and how do you let someone know that like this friendship has run its course 
Yeah. yeah in that situation, good. Tiff, I think that led to a friendship ending. Yeah. Well, right? I, yeah. I mean, I, if I look, I've had like maybe about, you know, four or five bully friends. I'm talking about from like elementary school to like grown Tiffany and, um, yeah, none of them are around anymore. I had to have the hard conversation. Some of them were around since I was like a little girl and I had mm-hmm. to have the hard conversation of like, this is no longer a fit. Although we talked about, hey, could you not treat me like this? And I don't yeah. like that language that you use. And um, I, I had let it go so far, they didn't know how to pivot, you know, the last mm-hmm. friend that I let go of. Um, and it just continued. And I just said, I don't, I don't want to be in friendship with someone who doesn't know how to treat me well, you know? Um, and I feel, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I thought I was going to be so sad about it, but I felt, a, it was so, I felt much lighter because when I look around at the people who surround me now, everybody is just amazing and uplifting. And so, you know, I'm happy that I made that transition, although I'm sad because I wonder sometimes how did I show up that allowed for that, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. Because I, like I said, some of the bully friends, if I look, they didn't treat everyone like that. Yeah. So I I think it's important because there's, a again, a lot in the book around like group dynamics. So a part of what I love to do in private practice and in um, practice in general is group therapy. Mm. And there is a lot about group therapy that I think informs how we show up in our sister circles and in sisterhood. And so I talk in the book about like the role that we often take in our sister circles. So there are four main roles that often kind of develop in a sister circle. Mm. Um, The wallflower, which is kind of the person who is kind of laid back in the group but like when they talk they typically have something really really big to say um the leader which is the person who is kind of responsible in some ways for the group continuing so if there's going to be some gathering that person is typically the person who organizes it (laughs) there is also the peacemaker so if two friends are not getting along then this is the person who will frequently step in and then the firecracker which is the friend in the group who will say the thing that like nobody else wants to say but she might not say it gently um and so even in even in different circles sometimes we will assume one of these uh roles and it may not be the same in all groups so you know when i hear you say something like this person didn't bully other people there may have been something going on in the dynamic that led them to believe that this is how it is okay to treat me right and you said i let it go on so long that it was difficult for them to pivot and it is hard like once somebody got it kind of gets locked into who they are in the group, it can be difficult for them to kind of see you in any different way or for them to interact with you in a different way. And sometimes that does mean that the friendship has to end when you develop a voice or when you say, this is not okay. It's not okay for you to treat me this way. Sometimes, unfortunately, it does mean that the relationship does have to end. What is group therapy? You talked about this in your episode that I'm referring to as well. And I remember feeling like, what do you mean group therapy? Because I think about like AA, uh-huh. And I'm in like couples therapy, but what is what is this group therapy you speak of? Can, can yeah. you friend groups together? <laughs> so fun. so group therapy is is kind of like what it sounds like. And AA is probably the most common thing that people hear about, though AA isn't necessarily like group therapy. Um, so group therapy is when typically nine to twelve people get together for a collective kind of therapy session. And it isn't typically that you're like only talking about one topic. It really is like, okay, what are you bringing to the group, and how is that? interacting with what everybody else is bringing to the group. So for example, for people who struggle with something like social anxiety, something like group therapy can be ideal because what better place can you work through your anxiety and social situations than in a room of nine strangers, right? Um, But even, even, huh? You don't know the other people. You don't know the other people. So this is not like you bring your friend groups to therapy, though that can happen. That is a different kind of therapy. That would be more like a um, like a systems kind of therapy. So kind of like a family therapy kind of thing. Um, but in this situation with true group therapy, these are people that you do not know outside of the group. Um, and, you know, even for what you shared, Tiffany, like this people pleasing kind of tendency and like this, you know, acquiescing to other people. It is very likely that that would also, sh- also show up in the therapy group. And so it is an idea 
ideal situation for you to work through some of these issues that you have in other places with a group of strangers, right? So it may be easier for you to have this difficult conversation with somebody you only see in therapy. But then what that means is that you can take those same skills to your friend group and say, hey, I'm not okay with this behavior. So group therapy is, I think, phenomenal. And there are some things that you can get to in group therapy because there are so many other people for you to project on and people projecting on to you. There are breakthroughs you can have in group therapy that it would take months, if not years, for you to have in individual therapy. I have to what? say that like, oh, sorry, Mandy. I was going to say, where, where can I get, where can you get one of those? Where do you find <laughs> You got to get one of these chicken salads. <laughs> Superior. Where can you get a group therapy session? So sometimes therapists will offer it as a part of their practice. Um, some therapists have group, have practices that all they do is groups. Um, so if you search around on like different directories, like on the Therapy for Black Girls therapist directory, you can search by people who offer therapy groups and see if there's a therapist in your area offering a group. Okay. Yeah, that website is so critical. Like, I can't tell you how many times that black women, you know, reach out to me and they ask me like, you know, like, can you recommend a therapist? And I always send them to therapy for black girls because I'm like, it's, you know, it might take you a little minute to find your person, but it's so critical because I, my therapist calls my, um, my people pleasing, um, the small piece of chicken syndrome. Because I had told Ooh. her a story about how, like, you know, if there's, like, a big plate of chicken and we're all around, I will always, without prompting, pick the small piece of chicken. Because I'm like, well, I'm going to make sure that I know Carol likes the wing and Tracy likes the drumstick and that I likes the, you know, no one will ask. Like, wait, wait, but I I'm will literally take the smallest, least amount of space, you know, to make it easy for everyone else. And then I'll find out later that no one even wanted chicken and I could have enjoyed Mm. And so she's like, you know, so sometimes when we're talking through something, she's like, are you sure you're not taking a small piece of chicken again, Tiffany? Wow. I I am. (laughs) (laughs) That's a beautiful analogy. (laughs) That's also like, let's talk about that, that like. I wanted a black therapist, right? So mm-hmm. like, I love Dr. Green. So Dr. Nelijah Green out of Atlanta, Georgia, because she's got <laughs> sister life just like me. And I don't know how old Dr. Green is. She could be 35. She could be 45. She's black. You know, the range is wide with us. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> but she is so dope. And I, you know, I knew for me, some people want like um, a mother figure, a father figure, whatever. But I knew I wanted for me a sister girlfriend kind of like energy from my um, therapist. But can we talk about the importance of like, why is it important for black women to have other black women therapists? Like, because I can, she can do the small piece of chicken. I'm not going to lie. If Sarah told me, are you, are you choosing the small piece of chicken? I'm like, girl, I'll jump through the thing. We're talking about chicken and black people. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, so I'm like, so can we talk about the importance of black women having access to black women therapists? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in this example, I think what makes that effective is the shared cultural capital, right? So you know that when Dr. Green is talking to, to you about chicken, it comes from a very particular place that is different than if a non-black therapist were talking to you about that right and I will say that having another black woman therapist is not important for all black women right so you know we do understand that we're not a monolith everybody doesn't value the same things but overall like I would say probably 90% of the time when I run into black women and they talk about wanting a therapist their preference is to have another black woman therapist and I think for a lot of us it is because therapy is so uncertain and like unfamiliar to a lot of us and so we already don't quite know what we're getting into and And we have the history of talking to our girlfriends and our moms and our aunties. And we know like that nurturing that typically happens the way that we typically relate to one another. And we're looking to have some of that also in our therapy space. And so I think, you know, that kind of dynamic often shows up, but of course with boundaries, right? So even though we can kind of kiki about a small piece of chicken, like Dr. Green is still your therapist, right? You're not hanging out with her at the club, Mm -hmm. you know? So even though there is some of this kind of shared relational space, it is still very much a professional boundary space so that you can get what you need out of the therapy session. Yeah. I will admit my therapist is a white woman, but I she looks like my mom. Mm. And my mom is a pilot, so we could probably unpack that. <laughs> but when I was looking for a therapist, I was specifically looking for someone who, because my mom struggled with postpartum depression, and I was about to have my first son in 2019. And I, I love the way I found her. Actually, I went through a prenatal yoga studio who had referred, had like a list of great um, therapists who specialized in like new mothers, and um, there weren't any women of color. But I found, you know, Laura, who I've been working with since 2019, and for me, it was it's been so helpful because the motherhood for me, like new mommyhood, 
in isolation. Mm. Um, I mean, I really, it, I consider that like a mental health emergency fund, knowing that I can just text Laura, you know, I don't know if you do that Tiff too, but I feel like even if I know they're not going to respond, it makes me feel better to text Laura. Like I was having a really low day on Sunday. It was after the news about some shootings came out mm. and I just wasn't able to get out of my negative thought spiral. And so I texted Laura um, and just doing that just made me feel like a little bit better, you know, just having that someone to lot to rely on. I, I can ask Dr. Green. I never thought about it. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, she kind of represents this. First. <laughs> she represents this safe container for you. Right. So even if you know mm-hmm. she's not going to respond, like, you know, that she'll likely read it. She'll likely bring it up in your next session. And so, you know, just knowing that you put it somewhere mm-hmm. means that you don't have to carry it. Right. Which which allows mm-hmm. you to unload mm-hmm. some of that stress. I sent her a screenshot of a text I almost sent my dad. And uh, thank God I did, because she was like, maybe don't send that. <laughs> and let's talk that through on Thursday. And it stopped me from the, the, the something that, and it's, I call that big growth for me, because I'm, I toggle between the leader and the firecracker. I just mm-hmm. say it on my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and uh, it gets me into trouble with family sometimes, just like spit, you know, flying off the handle. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it, it is really helpful to have that like self-reflection period. Let's mm-hmm. take a breather. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, I want to go back to something you say, Mandy, because I do think it's important for us to talk about even if every black woman wanted a black woman therapist, like there yeah. are simply not enough of us yes. to go around. Yeah. And so, you know, even if that is your preference and by all means, if that is your preference, then try to find a black woman therapist. But unfortunately, that just may not be the case, depending on where you live, depending on insurance, like lots of different factors. And so I do encourage people to be open to being surprised that, you know, you could have a phenomenal clinical relationship with someone who is not a black woman therapist. Um, So, you know, it's okay to go after what you want, but do be open to the fact that you could be surprised by the package that is actually a great fit for you. Yeah, My first therapist actually was like, maybe he was in his 30s. I was in college and I was really overwhelmed. Um, And he was a like middle age, well, maybe 30s, like he was a white man and he was great. You know, like a friend of mine had gone through a very traumatic experience and she and I talked about it so much. I was starting to display like symptoms of somebody who had been through that trauma myself. Vicarious trauma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because we were so young. We were maybe like 18, 19. And we talked about it every day. She would relive the trauma and we would... But I, and I thought I was just being a good friend by listening and, you know, and I would come in and honestly, he had to ask me, are you sure that did not happen to you? Because Tiffany... you, you know, I'm starting to worry. And I had to ask myself, did it happen to me? Because, you know, it, it just, because she was my very best friend since like uh, middle school. And so, um, so yeah, so he told me, she, you are not a therapist. You are not equipped to, because, you know, you think you're grown when you're 18. I'm like, of course I could talk to my best friend, you know? She's right. like, you are not equipped. She needs a therapist. And you're going to have to tell her that you cannot talk about it anymore with her. Mm-hmm. And that was the hardest conversation, you know, to tell your best friend, I can't talk about this anymore with you because it's affecting me so much that it sent me to therapy. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I was having a hard time navigating and dealing. So to your point, he was great. And, you know, he was a white man. I mean, I, I definitely prefer, you know, a black woman, especially the space that I'm in now. But, you know, that's just a good note, a good point to note that like you can have good therapy with a wide wide range of people. So mm-hmm. yep. what I love about your book too, is it's not like therapy heals, it's sisterhood. Mm. So talk to me about, cause we, and we love therapists. We love, you know, taking care of ourselves. I have my biweekly, you know, session. Tiffany has hers, but friendship sisterhood is so fundamental. And I would say through my work, I, I launched a career coaching practice during the, um, right after the pandemic sort of took hold. And I was talking to, dozens of women of color about their careers. And the one theme for me was isolation and loneliness, even before the pandemic. Um, so that I, I love the theme of your book being around sisterhood. Can you talk about how important it is in addition to having maybe a mental health professional in your network that you also have these relationships? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when we think about like our history of going to therapy, like I feel like this is still a very new conversation for us. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we know that even if we are also seeing a therapist, a lot of times our sister friends are on the front line of like the first thing that's happening with us. Right. Like they are the ones getting the call. Like, girl, let me tell you mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. And that is in a lot of ways healing. It's not the same way that you heal through therapy, but it is a very valid experience of healing. Um, And so I really wanted to be able to 
give language and strategies for us to be able to do that with one another. Um, so Tiffany, what you were just talking about in terms of like being able to hold space for your 18 year old friend while you're also an 18 year old, there's like guidelines for how to do that, right? So that you don't center yourself in the conversation so that you do understand when it's time to actually refer them to a mental health professional. So I talk about in uh, talk about that in the book around how we can hold space for one another, um, but how we also allow people to hold space for us, right? So this idea that we are often really, really struggling to ask for help. And a lot of us are kind of like the strong friend in the group. And so we don't want to be seen as weak or like we are a burden, but we are in effect not allowing people to show up for us in the same way that we run to show up for them. Um, so there are some lots of exercises and things in the book that really help us to do a better job of holding space for one another. And I think when you talk about like the isolation and the loneliness that so many of us have experienced, like you said, even before the pandemic, um, it is important to know that like we can go to other people with the things that we're struggling with. Sometimes we really just drown ourselves in shame because we're afraid to say this thing because we are afraid that nobody will understand us or will be judged. And then we finally say it. And then we realize like, oh, that wasn't as weird or she didn't run away from me. Right. And so that really is the power of community is being able to be vulnerable and see these things that are often very shameful and realize that people still love you. People want to help you to take care of the things that are going on in your life. And maybe the people who you would have turned to at a certain chapter of your life or season, as we say now, are not the right ones for where you are. I think that's been the journey that I've been on is being here in the suburbs. Like I've, I'm a, I'm a creature. I want close friendships. I don't want a ton, but I like to have a few close ones. And I was so happy. I made a mom friend Ooh. and it was the, like the other black mom at daycare drop off. I live in a kind of, yeah, not the most <laughs> diverse area where my son goes to daycare, but uh, I saw her across the parking lot and I looked at her and uh, I said, Hey, you, we should be friends, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's so mandy. I'm so proud of myself for doing that. I and am what? too. And that's how you, I feel like that's what you got to do these days. And she felt the same way I did. She had moved here. Turns out just a year before her son was new at the daycare. She's like, are there any other black families here? <laughs> and um, I have a walking date with her right after this podcast. Um, but the friends I left behind, you know, I'm in this situation now with a really deep, uh, um, an old friend of mine who I met when I first moved to New York. We just were, you know, that friend who just like, that's your, that's your 20s experience, you know? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I haven't seen her in months and it makes me sad. And I have been like in my mind about it. Should I have a conversation with her? Should I, is it me? Is she, did I do something? Is this normal? You know, it's a little awkward when I talk to her, like we have to kind of get back in a groove. Um, Mm -hmm. Is that, is that normal? I mean, I'm sure it's normal, but do you have people who go through that? And like, what would you say to some, a friend, me? <laughs> what would you say to me? What would you say to me? This is my situation. <laughs> yeah, so it is incredibly normal, right? And when we think about, you know, all the moves that we make because of family, because of career, um, we aren't typically kind of living next door to our best friends like maybe people did, you know, years ago. And so there, it is normal for friendships to kind of change depending on your stage of life. Um, and I, I love to hear you say like you're making new mom friends um, because one of the final chapters of the book is about like finding your people. Right. A lot of people are struggling to kind of figure out like, okay, well, who are these new people in this new stage of my life? And one of the tips is to look around and see, is there somebody in the background of your life, like the person at drop off at daycare that you can say, hey, like we should go for coffee or we should do this Um, because there are often people who are kind of just we see them in classes or we see them frequently, but we haven't taken the step to say like, okay, let's kind of try to take this further. And so it does require a little bit of initiative to kind of, you know, moving forward to see if there is something that could be there. So if someone is like, so this has happened a few times, you know, everybody knows that like my husband passed away a little over a year ago. And so some widows have reached out to me, like one reached out yesterday and we talked for like an hour and I told her, she asked me like, how am I managing? And I'm like, girl, I'm not, but therapy has certainly helped. And she's like, I never thought of it. She's a black woman as well. And um, I was struggling to to share with her like what to expect from therapy because she was just kind of like, because like you said, Dr. Joy, it's very new to our community. Mm-hmm. And so struggling to say, well, here's what to expect. So if someone is listening and they're like, you know, I would like to ask for help. I'm struggling as a mom. I'm struggling as whatever, a student or whatever. Um, 
what can I expect, you know, like when I do finally find, or as I start to search for a therapist, like what, because she was asking, she said something really like poignant, which I agree. She said, is going to therapy, is that going to heal my grief? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, like, Mm -hmm. obviously I miss my husband every day, just like you miss yours. And she was just like, almost like, well, then what's the point? If I'm still going to be hurting, then what's the point? And I struggled to tell her like, well, Dr. Green gives me tools to like navigate the grief, but like she helps me to acknowledge that grief is this hole that I will learn to grow around, but the hole never fills. That's like the, you know, and I was just, I had a hard time because I was just like, I feel not necessarily better, but better equipped to navigate. So yeah, but I just love for for folks who are listening, like what can they expect? Like, you know, from therapy, um, if they finally find their good therapist, like what can they expect? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is such a beautiful question because I think a lot of people don't know like what even happens when that door closes. Like, what are we even talking about? Um, and so some of it is like tools, but I think specifically in the instance of grief, it is somebody to bear witness to your grief, right? So so there are ways that like the people we love in our life just sometimes can't show us show up for us because of their own stuff, because they are afraid of what to say, what do I even say in this moment? And so I think talking with a therapist specifically in this kind of a circumstance gives you a place where you don't have to worry about like them being overwhelmed by what you're sharing. Like it is a place where you can go to like lay that down. And so I'm not surprised that you leave feeling maybe just a little lighter. And of course you don't not miss your husband um, but but you have a space where you can kind of process this and she helps you to carry and wade through all of the difficult kinds of emotions that are coming up yeah. for you right now and that analogy around you know the the ball in the jar for grief right so that in in the beginning of a grief experience like the ball takes up the entire space of the jar and then eventually the ball gets a little smaller right so that there's a little bit more space and that is what therapy really helps you to do is to kind of process the things that take up the most space in the in the jar so that um, the ball does eventually become smaller and you never get rid of the grief completely, but it does feel not as achy. It, does, it feels a little lighter to carry eventually. Yeah, yeah I think one thing people expect too is to, well, I myself, it's frustrating because you have to kind of find the right fit. And I think mm-hmm. I went through several therapists and I mean, they'd be fine, but you know, whether it was insurance changing, my location changing, having to find a new one, but just having the patience and like setting the expectation that it may not be the perfect fit to start with. And this is part of the process. So yes. when I was when I was searching for my therapist, I remember I interviewed like three to see what the vibe was once I knew they'd take my insurance because, you know, <laughs> couldn't afford <laughs> out of pocket. But um, and that that helped me just to go into it acknowledging, okay, I need to treat this like I'm looking for a contractor. Let me get three mm-hmm. quotes <laughs> and see who seems trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, I do think that that is important because sometimes people go into it wanting to be like the perfect client. And so they will stick with it because they think that's what they're supposed to do, right? So even if I don't mm-hmm. quite feel like this person gets me or it doesn't quite feel like it clicks, they want to be a good client. And so they don't feel like they can say, this isn't working for me. And so it is important for you to know that your first therapist, maybe Maybe even your first two, three therapists may not be the right fit for you, but it doesn't mean that you have done anything wrong or that the therapist has done anything wrong, right? Like so much of what makes therapy work is the dynamic and the relationship you're able to cultivate with your therapist. And so if it just doesn't feel like it's clicking for one reason or another, then it's okay for you to say, I feel like I may need something else. And as therapists, we're also trained to do that, right? So if I'm not the best fit for you, I may know a colleague who may be a better fit depending on what you're working on or how it feels like you want to structure your sessions. Um, So talking with your therapist, again, having some of those difficult, awkward conversations may actually lead you to a therapist who would be a better fit. So this is kind of like um, a brown ambition, kind of like financial, like spin on therapy. I wonder, like, you know, you've been, how long have you been in this, in this space, Dr. Joy? How many years? I've been licensed since 2009. So at least since then. So have you seen a shift with the way like when there's economic shift, do you see that like, you know, like um, how does that affect like what 
people come to you for in general? Like, you know, because 2009, that's when the Great Recession happened. Did you have a flood of people who were stressed about losing their jobs? And then during pandemic, you know, because I'm curious as to like people's kind of like emotional needs as the economy shifts. Like, do you see that? Is it directly like correlated? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in my own practice, but there's lots of research that talks about like economics and like job stability and all of those things being risk factors, right? We know we spend so many hours of our day and our lives at work. And so when we see more layoffs, when we see, you know, looming recessions like that does drive a need for therapy, um, but also just more conversation around it. You know, so, of course, in the pandemic, everybody was struggling with lots of different things. Right. Like, what does this even mean? I'm anxious to go outside. Um, friendship stuff came up a lot. So there was a lot around people expecting their friends to be one way during the pandemic and then they weren't. And like, what does this mean? Um, so definitely the uh, frequency with which people are seeking services and like reaching out for therapy is impacted by all of the the factors going on in the outside world. Okay. Yeah. I have a question about your book because I, listen, we didn't get the book and far enough in advance for me to read it. I would have definitely, because you know, Hermione, I would definitely <laughs> <read>. <laughs> Tiffany would have not. I'm just kidding. I know. I'd have like, I, I would have looked to win. I would have had it yeah. behind me and said, <laughs> But Dr. Joy, chapter six, I'm, I'm curious about the title of chapter six, Sisters Over Systems. I'm just mm. intrigued. What is this? What is that? Tell us a little yeah, bit about that chapter. Absolutely. So the book is kind of broken down into three levels that sisterhood operates on. So the one-on-one level, so you and like another friend, the sister circle level, so you and like your larger group of sisters. Um, and then the third level is like global sisterhood. So like black women across the diaspora. Um, and so chapter six, sisters, sisters over systems is specifically around all the systems, patriarchy, mm-hmm. sexism, like all of the racism that that really get in the way of sisterhood. So we see this often like in the workplace, right? So y'all may have been paying attention. There are conversations all the time on like Twitter and Instagram around younger sisters having older black women as managers and how that is often a very difficult, intense kind of a situation. And so in the book, I talk about how much of that is really not because like I want to be mean to you necessarily, but what kinds of systems am I a part of where only one of us can succeed, right? Like there's so much that is kind of built into the systems we operate in that make it difficult for black women to actually be loving and affirming to one another. And so that chapter is really all about all the systems that we have to pay attention to and how we can do a better job of rejecting those systems without rejecting each other. Ooh, I'm glad I asked because that just makes me think of like even my aunts, you know, um, and my one aunt in particular, sometimes the advice she gives me is just, is, you know, I, it, I used to be like, oh, I'm Brenda. She's a little, you know, she's, <laughs> what is she talking about? Respect this. And, you know, she's, but she was from a whole different time, mm-hmm. a whole, I mean, the yeah. trauma that my, my, my dad's side of the family went through and, you know, just, ugh, it's like so much. And under better 2020 and, and, and through therapy also, I started to understand why it was that speaking to her made me uncomfortable. And then once I, like sort of acknowledged where she was coming from, I can now talk to her and not look at it as if it's effect, like it's something that reflects on me or something that I had to take to heart. Um, that kind of brought that up for me. Um, mm-hmm. And in the workplace too, of course, you um, like older black women, I feel, or women of color in general, when you have a new recruit, maybe it's also the way that you were treated because you were mentored and mm-hmm. developed by someone who maybe underestimated you the whole time or was threatened by you. And then you're sort of internalizing that and, you know, mm-hmm. and then shit rolling downhill a little bit. That's the, you know, psycho, that's the, that's the psychological way of saying it, shit rolling downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I do think, you know, for a lot of people, like a younger person coming in does feel a little threatening, right? Like, are they going to still be open to my ideas? Are they trying to take my job? Like what's going to be happening here? And again, that's a system mm-hmm. like that, that system lets us, or forces us to believe that there's not a space for everybody to be successful, that we have to kind of, you know, compete with one another when truthfully we can build a different kind of system where there's room for all of us to be successful. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. 
Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, BA fam, our fellow entrepreneurs and creatives, this message is sponsored by Squarespace. It is the ultimate toolkit for crafting your online presence. With Squarespace, it's really about more than just building a website. It's about shaping your online identity and making your mark. So say goodbye to checkout headaches with Squarespace's flexible payment options. From credit cards to Apple Pay, they've got you covered. And if you live in an eligible country, they offer buy now, pay later options with afterpay and clear pay, which means that your customers have even more ways to purchase your products. So head over to squarespace.com and kickstart your journey with a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, don't forget to use our link squarespace.com slash brown ambition to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Just visit squarespace.com slash brown ambition to get your discount today. Remember your online success story begins with Squarespace. So what are you waiting for? Let's build something extraordinary together. Hey, 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 BA fam. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. That's incredible. This is according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 150 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Okay, it's smart. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash brown ambition. Just go to indeed.com slash brown ambition right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash brown ambition. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. All right, BA fam, you know we work hard and we play hard, but when it comes to investing and having your money in the market, you want your money to be working for you. That's exactly what the Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app can help it do. Keeps your money out there working hard and kicking you-know-what I love Betterment because it makes it easy for even a beginning investor to figure out how to put their money in the market and set it and forget it and be at peace with that because you know Betterment has got you covered with their automated investment and savings app. Their technology is going to give you advanced tools that are built to help you maximize those returns. All you got to do is visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. How can we be more self-aware? I mean, I think therapy helps me there, but like for that person who's harming other people from their own internalized, you know, trauma and bias and systems that have affected them, how can we get more to those people to help them see they may need to explore and be more self-aware of how that has that can have a negative impact on others around them. It's mm-hmm. something that you can't just tell someone like maybe you should talk to someone about that. <laughs> I just feel like that wouldn't be taken very well. How do you yeah. get to them? So this is why I feel like podcasts are so powerful because you could slide somebody this episode and be like, I heard this great conversation (laughs) on Brown Ambition. Like, I think it'd be cool for you to listen to. And you're not directly like calling them out, but it's likely they'll hear this and say like, oh, I wonder if that's something people feel about me. (laughs) Right. It's it's the perfect tool to be able to passively, you know, introduce a conversation without introducing it. It's like some Um, people a piece of gum like, (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, it's exactly like that. It's exactly like that. And then maybe they, you know, are a little bit more introspective. But I also think, you know, if somebody listens to the conversation or read something in the book, um, it is important to kind of slow down and like release your defensive because our defenses, because our natural inclination is to be like, oh, that's not me. Like I, I would never. Um, but, but you know, like let's slow down and think about like, okay, how do younger sisters feel about their interactions with me? Am I somebody who opens the door for them or do I slam it behind me? Um, you know, am I welcoming them into environments and like setting them up for success or am I threatened? And it's okay to acknowledge that, right? Like I think sometimes those kinds of emotions come up for us, like jealousy and envy and all of those things. And we immediately want to squash it because it makes us feel embarrassed, but it's okay. Like those are natural emotions, just like happiness and sadness. And it's okay to give ourselves space to explore like what's happening for me in this moment and to then say, what can I do differently now that I am aware of this about my behavior? How can I apologize? In what ways can I repair some of these relationships I may have damaged? In in your book, Dr. George, do you touch upon like boundaries? I have not, I was historically, I've not been good at setting boundaries. I'm much, 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 much better now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now I, I, I've been practicing something that I like to call radical transparency Ooh. or radical communication, right? And so that's just like when it comes up, it comes out because I was definitely someone who was like, I won't say anything. And then year five, I'm like, and that's why on a Tuesday you said, <laughs> and people are like, what the hell? And so like, you know, so that, because I didn't, I didn't know how to set boundaries just because I didn't grow up like learning how to do so because I was people pleasing. And so is that something that's addressed in the book, like setting boundaries, especially within sisterhoods? Because I feel like that's where it's really the hardest in our friendships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a whole chapter with scripts around how to have some of these difficult conversations, specifically, like I said, around like people having babies, people getting engaged. Like that is when people get really activated. It feels like in sister circles. Um, and so I do give starter language, but I think it's important important to know that like you need to modify the language to be your own like how would you actually talk to your own sister and you bring up a really good point Tiffany because a lot of times we feel like we are doing the right thing by not saying like ouch this hurt my feelings mm-hmm. but we are always acting out of that right so you may think that you're doing a good job of not letting them know that you're you know hurt or or jealous or whatever but what what ends up happening is that we are passive aggressive mm-hmm. or we make little shady petty comments or we we sabotage events, right? And and so that stuff is coming out anyway. And that is typically far more damaging to the relationship than if we would have just said like, you know, that really hurt my feelings. I wonder if we can talk about how we can do a better job of navigating a situation like this in the future. Oh, that's good. I might hold on that. <laughs> that was good. She just off the top. That's why I be telling Dr. Green. That's why we pay you the big bucks. Because that really hurt my feelings. Because you're right. You know, I'm like, I, you tell yourself, if you don't say it, it's only going to grow. If you don't say it. But you get afraid to say it, you know, because I learned early on that silence was safety. Oh, you know, yes, and so yes. I had to unpack that. That's actually not true. Mm-hmm. And maybe when you were nine, but not at 43. Right. You right. know, and so like, so now I'm like, I had like a really, there was um an event I was supposed to speak at. I was volunteering my time. And then they started demanding more things from me. And old Tiffany would have just acquiesced and said, you'll learn better for next time. Mm. And new Tiffany said, it's next time. <laughs> next time <laughs> so, it's here. <laughs> so I told them I'm not participating. And the CEO reached out to me today, was like, wait, what's happening? And I told him, I said, you know, I volunteered my efforts. I said, no problem. But your team keeps asking for more things. And now they've demanded more things. And this is volunteer. Mm. Like You don't get to demand. Even if you were paying, you still don't get right. to demand. It's, you know, and he was like, you know. He really listened, which I was really appreciative of. And I also like the fact that like, I felt good enough to stand up for myself and say, that's actually not okay. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. you do, you know, team, your team doesn't get it, doesn't get to t- talk to me like that and hear yes. the consequences as a result. Yes. He was just like, is there anything we can do? You know, you're kind of our headliner. I said, I know that, but I'm not coming, <laughs> you know, Ooh. like, and I understand. Yeah. No, I know. Right. Maybe me. I hold me. Yeah, this today, girl, today. <laughs> oh, I love that for you. Yeah, I was like, if he's listening, hey, boo, yeah, it's not <laughs> happening. So um, he was really nice, though. And, you know, and I just said, you know, I'm not participating, but I do appreciate you reaching out. And he was like, is there anything, you know, I can do, like, is there anything else I can do? And I was like, no, honestly, 
if there was anything that I wanted, it would be this for you to reach out and to be open to hearing my feedback. And I really feel like you are. And although I'm not participating, it makes me still feel good about you, you know, like in our interaction. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, maybe one day in the future we can connect, but yeah, I mean, I don't know what flyers they printed with whatever, but the people ain't going to see me. <laughs> but I, but I, really but I want to, yes, I was about to say, I really want you to be able to file that away and make note of that for yourself or later, because we don't always have like these kinds of endings. Right. And I think it's important when we find that there's something we struggle with, like assertiveness or like speaking up for ourselves to remember those times when we did it and it felt really good. Yeah. Right. Cause then that makes it easier for the next, time to say like oh okay I need to speak up for myself again because the last time I did this it actually worked out in my favor yeah I definitely was afterwards like yeah Tiffany yes <laughs> you said it girl and I first have to call my sister like I did it I did it girl because <laughs> that's the sister circle again you know you gotta you tell go. somebody <laughs> exactly exactly and it's not about never I don't know it's not like almost that you replaced that awkwardness or that feeling of discomfort from having to cut ties but that you do it anyway yes yes and I definitely was not a do it anyway person I was always like next time next time I'll you know I'll figure it out for next time and next time never came so proud Mm -hmm. I know um Dr. Joy I want to um I want to ask you about the decision to close it close the book not to be punny on a friendship (laughs) I mentioned my friendship earlier I'm not ready to close a book I'm going to have a conversation you know and and reconnect with this person because I love Mm -hmm. her a lot um but like when would you say it's a sign that okay this relationship has maybe run its course this friendship we need to move on and then what advice yeah what do you have about how to do that do you have to say anything yeah so (laughs) so there is a whole section around like ghosting because people really really take that personally when they are ghosted in friendships and I think for a lot Mm -hmm. of people being ghosted by a friend feels even worse than like a romantic partner ghosting Uh, because we just make up all these stories in our head about like what do we do and like when we don't have answers we make up our own answers and they tend to be far more extreme Mm -hmm. than reality Um, but I think when (laughs) when you are thinking about whether a friendship needs to end I I think if if you have done your part in terms of like saying, ouch, that hurt or called out, you know, what kinds of uh, gulfs there are between you or like what's making you feel hesitant in the relationship. If you brought that to them and shared that with them and had a conversation and you're still not seeing change behavior, then I think that that may be an indication that, you know, this friendship maybe has run its course or if there's just some unsteadiness for some reason, right? Like you may not be able to name what's happening, but you don't necessarily look forward to hearing from them anymore. Or if you do hear from them, it feels really awkward and un pleasant or they're always making like snarky comments or bullying you like you mentioned Tiffany Mm -hmm. I think any of those things that just kind of feel unsettling um you want me you want to start with a conversation if this is somebody that's important to you and if you've had that conversation and the the feeling still kind of lingers even though you've brought it up that again may be an indication that the friendship has run its course. And I do think it is important to be able to have the conversation with this person because I think as a society, we don't tend to do well with goodbyes. And I think goodbyes are really important. A goodbye is a way for you to indicate that this meant something to you, right? And I think if somebody has been important to us and there's not been any abuse or, you know, anything kind of malicious, it is important for us to kind of be able to say, even though this time may be over, it was important to me and I'm like going to let you go with well wishes. Right. Um, and, and giving those people finality and like closure on a situation as much as possible so they don't have all these lingering questions. And I think it's important to know that even if you make the decision to end a friendship, you may still feel really sad and like grieve what this friendship was and what you hoped it could be. But that doesn't mean that it may not be time to end it. I think for me, it's the sadness of them being absent from this really cool new chapter of my life. Yeah, I can get emotional just thinking about it. Like I feel like I've grown so much since we were since we were you know in our early twenties, and I'm a mom now. I'm a business owner. I live in. I moved half an hour away, but I feel like I've got this new rich, really you know, really proud of myself where I'm at. And it makes me so sad yeah. that I don't have my you know. My mm-hmm. sister friend yeah. there alongside me like she was for so long. But then I don't know what's happening on her end either, you know, and what she's going through, which makes me feel like, am I a bad friend? Am I feel disconnected? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also the resentment, like, why doesn't she, why am I the one going to the city? 
to make plans and making the plans happen, but I'm not getting the same in return, you know, like for her to come up here, meet mm-hmm. my son who she hasn't met <laughs> since he was a baby, you know, wow. um, I think that I'm, that I'm working through those emotions and I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we do need couples therapy for friends. <laughs> well, I, I think, Mandy, it is important. I'm glad you shared that because it, it sounds like what you're feeling like is that there's a lack of reciprocity, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm the one always making the plans. I'm the one always going to the city. Like, why isn't she doing that? Is it fair and, for me to even feel that way, Dr. Joy? Well, absolutely. Like, all of your feelings oh, are valid. But yeah. I, I do wonder why you haven't asked her. Like, you know, or, or says something yeah. like it feels like I'm the one always making the plans or like I'm always coming to you. You know, is there is there something is there a reason why you can't come here or, you know, like what's behind the fact that she's not doing it? Because it could be the kind of thing where it's like, oh, well, I know Mandy will eventually do it. So, you know, when she plans something, then we'll get together. And it may not even be a a thing of like not wanting to see you. But mm-hmm. if you feel like, OK, I've outgrown this leader role in this mm-hmm. friendship and now I want to do something different different it's okay to let her know like hey I I want you to kind of meet me halfway as opposed to the way we've always done things yeah that was a good little sesh for you Mandra I know thanks (laughs) I appreciate you because I do tend to feel like I need to go above and beyond to earn or deserve like Mm -hmm. you know relate friendships and stuff but mm -hmm. yeah yeah, but I'm but I'm sure that shows up in your life in other places, right? And so, of course, it shows up in our sister circles because we are always who we are, right? Like wherever we go, there we are, so to yes. speak. Like yeah, I had so. to be the one to edit and produce the show for Tiffany to want to do it with me. Ooh, I couldn't ooh, ask her ooh, for anything, ooh. and I felt <laughs> bad. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's, here's the thing: I would have still said yes. It just, I know, but I felt it, like if I ever asked you for anything extra, you might like that might be it. And it's like no, I wasn't no, good no, enough to want you know, to do the show. Oh, man, and I would have because I was just like I like in her. the earlier nice. years. Yeah, but even then, I really <laughs> yeah. liked you. You asked me to do the show, and I was just like, man, it seems not like here's how the thought process. You were like, you want to do the show? I was like, okay, that was literally it because you just seemed like a nice person, and there was no like feeling of like I don't know. It was just for me. It was just. Mandy seems really nice. You know, we have this budding friendship. I don't really know what podcasting is, but girl, I guess. Okay. So you could mm-hmm. have, but uh, you know what I mean? But and I could see that now, like looking back that like, yeah, you probably were like that. But I didn't see, I didn't know that. I would have said, okay, well, here's what I can do. But I wouldn't have felt any kind of way about it because honestly, I was just saying yes because of you, mm-hmm. you know, because I just was like, this seems like a cool thing to do with someone who I like and she seems really nice, you know, wow. like- I'm grateful for my own growth. And I mean, because I feel like that now I don't have those that many issues. And I feel like in Dr. Joy, in your book, you even talk about like um, getting to the point where you can ask for help and you don't feel like they will just break off the Mm -hmm. relationship or the friendship, (laughs) you know, because Tiffany, I have a much more like I feel like equal partnership in this past, like, you know, several years now. Because I try to be more conscious because I was like, wait. Is Mandy overwhelmed? Because I wouldn't know, you know what I mean? Because like, I'm not mm-hmm. always good at picking and I, up. And how would you have? Because I was hiding it. You know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, but I knew it was really after the baby. And I was like, no. I know she's overwhelmed. Because I could hear it in your voice. But then I knew you better. And I remember yeah. you were like, I just, because we had never taken any breaks. And I was like, I feel like having a baby is a good time to take a break. <laughs> and you were like, you were like yeah. no, I could still. And I was like, no, like. The girls will understand. Like we can take a break, and I was we so can proud hire of an editor, use some of our money that we've never yes. spent, and hire. And we an never editor. exactly. So I try now, <laughs> yeah. even now. Like, am I like? What are ways I can show up? You know, in a way so that way you don't. I'm, I know you're gonna be gone for maternity leave, and I want you to worry, girl. I got it. Mm-hmm. You know, me and Amani, sister friend. Yeah, but I mean, it took a while for us to like because I didn't know Mandy well enough to know you know, like pick up on these nuances, Mm -hmm. you know? And so now I can tell when she's like feeling overwhelmed or overworked or whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Plus two, we didn't really necessarily have like friend chats outside of Brown Ambition, which we do now. We'll just talk just for talking's sake, you know? So I get to understand a wider scope of what's happening. So I can be like, well, let me come see you. I haven't even seen you, you know? And like, you know, and so, yeah, I just say all that to say that that was just growth. And I'm glad you gave me the space and the grace to- you know, to grow because I don't always necessarily pick up, not from not wanting to not do better, just from not knowing, you know? Yeah. So I love you, Mandra. You know that. Oh, I love you too, Tiff. (laughs) 
You know that. And Mandy, I hope that you can hear that. And again, for your note card, so Tiffany had a note card to write on. You have a note card now to really, I hope that you can hold on to hearing her say, like, I did this just because of you, mm-hmm. right? Like, you didn't have to earn her wanting to do this podcast with you. And so in, in what other places in your life can you hold on to that? Like, I don't have to earn this love or respect or friendship from this person. They want to be in my life just because of who I am. Yeah. And yes, absolutely. I've gotten a lot better at that through therapy, through just growth and through letting go of the relationships where, you know, as long as I wasn't trying so hard, they weren't going to really survive without me, like with the scotch tape and the, you know, the the hot glue, hot glue, (laughs) keeping it together, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. Sometimes we don't, we just I mean, if anything, losing Jarrell taught me was like, I was very sympathetic, but I realized that my empathy has just been through the roof because I just, it's like, I just don't know what people are navigating, you know, like, mm-hmm. I just don't know. I mean, some, it could have, the worst thing, you could have lost your dog yesterday. You know, you know, you could be in an abusive relationship. I'm just so much more conscious about, I don't know what this person is navigating, it might be the worst time of their life and they're putting on this false smile for whatever. So like that helps a lot when it comes to like, you know, let me try to come from a place of space and grace. And, you know, because typically if someone is showing up in a way that's like, doesn't seem healthy. I mean, people who are in a healthy position don't behave, misbehave in this way. So I try to keep that in mind that like, girl, I'm sure I was not at my best. Like, you know, they're talking real crazy right now, but let me give them that space and grace because I don't know what people are navigating. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's hard. I always ask Dr. Green, like, girl, is everybody going through it? Does anybody <laughs> have, like I always ask her like, does, does anybody have a healthy childhood? And she's like, some people do. And then, you know, their young adulthood is a little jacked up or the adult, you know, like she's like everybody to be human is to is to go through it. Yes. You know, and so like I just remind myself that even some of the people that we think are seem so terrible, you know, that comes from a place. And I try to leave space and grace for that while also not allowing people to, you know, harm me. Mm-hmm. You know, boundaries that's why you said still. Me too. Yes, because I'm like I'm the boundaries queen now. I'm like what? <laughs> blah 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 blah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I used to never. I was the yes queen. You know, yes, 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 yes. Just like Mandy, <laughs> I felt yes meant that you would love me, you would care for me, you wouldn't go, you would stay. You know, and that that was the only way that people would stay is if I said yes to anything, everything. If if I was super pleasing. No trouble, Tiffany. Mm-hmm. It's easy breezy over here. Don't worry about me. We don't even like chicken, let alone the small piece. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and now I'm like, I would like that big piece of chicken. Thanks. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> you deserve the big piece of chicken. Dr. Joy. Awesome. Go ahead. Sorry, oh, man. sorry. No, don't wrap up yet. No, last thing I wanted to say, you said that we're not supposed to, we're supposed to go to therapy and yes, it's our space to talk, but I can't help but wonder about therapists. I asked my therapist recently, like, how many calls do you do in a day? <laughs> and mm-hmm. because I listened to your episode about why you may want a, your therapist to like you and what that mm-hmm. comes from, mm-hmm. I was like, but am I your favorite? Anyway. <laughs> She said 10. She said 10 sessions a day. I was like, how do you do that? She's like, it doesn't really feel like for me, I like it. But for you, especially because I don't know how much, how often you're doing one-on-one sessions, but how do y'all cope and how do you take care of yourself through doing Mm -hmm. this work and, and being that space for so many of us? Yeah. So 10 feels like a lot to me, but I do think it's important to know, like all therapists are different, right? So that may be a a threshold that she's okay with, but that would be way, way too many for me. Um, So I do significantly less clinical work now, now that I'm doing the podcast and, you know, lots of speaking. So I only have like one or two clients, maybe every two weeks. Um, So it's not the same bandwidth that I had before. Um, But I think for a lot of therapists, it is our own therapy that allows us to hold space for our clients so that we're making sure that our stuff is not impacting, you know, how we show up in client in session for you and, you know, our ability to give you good care, uh, but also our own support systems, paying attention to sleep and exercise and all of those things. But I've also been hearing from a lot of therapists that they are significantly checked out of the news cycle. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like not being able to kind of read all of the headlines and pay attention to all of the things happening in the world, because it significantly diminishes your bandwidth to be able to like show up for clients if you're all also feeling like you're struggling with everything happening in the news. Because your clients are reading the news, Dr. Joy. <laughs> like, exactly. You know, I exactly. So, yeah. so are there specific therapists for therapists? 
Well, not necessarily specific ones, but it does feel like there are some therapists who like will just pipe up in a community like okay. then they become the therapist for therapists. Okay. Right. And so they're usually the ones who are like not really active on social media so that there's no like real crossing of boundaries there. You know, like they kind of tend to be off the grid in some okay. ways and they just kind of develop as this specialty as this okay. is the person that a lot of therapists go to. Yeah. Um, so some people kind of develop into that niche, um, even though that may not be necessarily how they open their practice. Okay. No, I like that. Because I, like I know my like therapist also sees a lot of other therapists because I got her name from a, a referral who is this, another psychologist. So it just kind of happens naturally that people become the ones in the community who all, all the other therapists go to see. Yeah. No, I like that setting of boundaries because one of my friends was telling me how she knew way too much about her therapist and how her th- I was like, well, she was t- explaining some of that. I said, girl, all I know is Dr. Green first and last. I don't know if she's married. <laughs> I don't know her age. I could, I could gather the range, but she's black, so she could be 60. She could be 25. Girl, I don't know. I do know she's in Atlanta. That's like I, you know, and I love that, you know, like, I mean, I know she must have a little dog or something because I hear it in the background every once in a while, but I know she has kids. So I don't know anything about Dr. Although I met her in person one time because I was in Atlanta for something. Mm-hmm. And she was like, oh, I'm going to be there too. And we met. And I was like, oh, you're tall. That was about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> but And I just thought like, yeah, that what is inappropriate? Maybe we could wrap on that. Like just so, so as people are looking for a therapy, as they get your book, as they go to therapyforblackgirls.com, you know, what are some red flags to look out for when, you know, they're seeking out a therapist so they know like this is actually not appropriate? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a therapist who is making their sessions all about them and not you is definitely a red flag. And of course, you know, there will be times where your therapist may self-disclose to maybe make you feel less alone or like to help you navigate a particular session. But you should not know like what your therapist is doing on the weekend and like everything going on in their relationship. Like your session should be about you, not about them. Um, I would also say like a therapist who is canceling on you too much. Now, of course, you know, stuff happens so that may there may be cancellations every now and then but if it feels hard for you to really get into a good routine and like okay there's a a frame being held here for my work to be done Mm -hmm. then that may also be a sign that this is not a person who is a good fit for you um also anything that is inappropriate in terms of like you know them flirting with you or you know like crossing a line um in terms of you know inappropriate touch or like those kinds of things of course would be a red flag as well but also and, and this wouldn't necessarily be a red flag but just Uh, an indication that you may want somebody different is that if you just don't feel like it's a good match, right? So if, you know, you feel like, okay, I kind of don't really like talking to them or like I feel judged or like I don't really feel like they're paying attention to me, that may be also an indication that you may need to find someone else. Okay. Mm, Dr. Joy, I wish you could stay on forever. I know. It's so great to chat with y'all. You have such a calming effect. We made it like, and then. Thanks for the bonus session. <laughs> Which we would do anyway with no context for mental health. <laughs> well, everyone, please go pre order yes. or buy Sisterhood Heals by Dr. Joy. Um, I, I wish you so much success with this book. I know our BA audience is probably the target audience for it. So, y'all better get your copy. Yeah. Where can I get it? Is there a website, Dr. Joy, in particular? Yes, you can get it from sisterhoodheels.com. Look at her, Dr. Joy. You learning. Because, you know, we talk, I, was like, I was like, she better have the website locked down. <laughs> if you don't buy five domains after you talk to Tiffany, oh then gosh. you have to. Were you even listening? I, no, you weren't. There. Sisterhoodheels.com. You hear that? The name of the book is the name of the site. Go ahead and get you some. Um, and um, So, yeah, no, that honestly, and we'll put it in the, the, the show notes, obviously. So, if you guys just want to get to clicking. But. No, I just think this has just been so helpful. You are just delightful. And I see why you have just like exploded in this space because the work is necessary, but just the way you show up authentically, you know, as a black woman, as yourself, it just speaks volumes about, you know, who you are and how you are. So we really appreciate and thank you. Thank you. I appreciate y'all. Hey, BA fam, we could not do this show without your support or the support of our team behind the scenes. The Brown Ambition podcast is produced by Imani Crosby and Dennis Stemplinski is our in-house tech guru. I am your co-host, Mandy Woodruff-Santos, and we will see y'all next week, BA fam. 
the Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.